Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Hey guys, welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today, I'm sitting down with Mr. Steve Trang. How you doing, man? I'm doing awesome. I'm excited for this. I'm glad I finally qualified. <laughs> so I, I'm super excited to have Steve. You know, Steve is the second best podcast host in all of real estate investing. He was also the second best Steve out of all of the closers in the Closers Olympics. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it, it, this is a, a top-notch guest here, so I'm, I'm excited to have you here. So uh, just like you always do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you a softball question to start this off with. All what, right. What, what got you into real estate? You know, this is the same answer that a lot of other guys say is, you know, Kiyosaki's um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, you know, you read it, and it's like, oh, boy, this is not rocket science. It's just... You just need to look at things a different way. Right. And so we read that, uh, me and my best friends, uh, we, we, we formed an LLC together and the four of us started buying properties. Uh, we were terrible. We bought some lousy properties. We got a lot of loans tonight, thank God, because this was back in 2007, 2006, right. 2007. Um, but then in the midst of all this, I met a broker uh, while we were trying to buy rental properties and I was asking him what he did. He's like, well, you know, and how much he made because he, he positioned himself as the investor's agent, which turns out he wasn't, but you know, positioning. Um, and I was like, okay, so what do you, what do you make doing this? Like, you know, make six figures. Like, okay. And at this time I wasn't making six figures. Like, oh, that sounds really cool. And what do you do all day? He's like, I just talk to people. I said, okay, I can handle that. You just talk to people and you make six figures. This should be easy. It's not easy. <laughs> it's not nearly as easy as I thought it was going to be, but that's what got me in. It was greed, pure and simple greed, you know, financial freedom, my ties on the beach, same vision. Everyone, uh, uh, dreams about when they first get in. So when you got started, you, you weren't planning on being, you know, Mr. Real estate disruptor, podcast host, great broker, title company owner, all these things that, that you've become at this point. Nope. I was planning on being a slumlord. <laughs> I was planning on buying a crap load of properties with high cap rates and mailbox money, which we found out later does not exist when you own properties. But that's a whole nother thing. There's right. these lies that they pitch and then there's reality. Just like you can buy <laughs> houses with no money, right? We'll just disregard the part where you need to have money to find those houses. <laughs> I love it. So. It, you know, I, I want to ask you this question because I know you've been on a lot of podcasts. Obviously, you have your own. You share stories on there, but you do a great job of really just focusing on your guests and, and letting them showcase themselves and their talents. But, you know, at what point in time do you feel like your your career took off to where you became the serial entrepreneur that you are and, and the influencer that you can become? When when did that happen? Uh, the The... The serial entrepreneur, uh, a couple of years after I opened my brokerage, uh, because I was having a lot of success, I was um, in my best year, I was number 38 out of 45,000 agents in the Phoenix wow. market, right? I mean, we were doing 100 houses pretty consistently. 
Um, and so I would say that's when that happened. It was through a lot of personal development. Uh, when I became known was the podcast. And this is what, you know, trips me out and trips out a few of my friends. It's like, I'm the same person I was before I started the podcast, but the podcast is what gave me this platform and, and reach and so on, or people know who I am. It's just so kind of I want, You're right. I want to ask you about the podcast specifically because I, I know that that was the, when, it, when you came out with the idea, it was something that I looked at personally and I was like, there is no way in the world this is going to be successful because I'm a podcast host and I know how difficult it is to get guys to show up, uh, guys and gals, to show up on time for a, a Zoom meeting. You mm -hmm. know, now, now <laughs> we use things like StreamYard and stuff like that. But, you know, you have everybody fly out to Phoenix. It's a it's a it's a deal. And now several years after starting the podcast, it's an honor for people to be able to go on Steve Trang's podcast. You know, I, yeah. and I think it's funny because, you know, it's called the Real Estate Disruptors podcast. But now everyone refers to it as Steve Trang's podcast. You know, I mean, there's right. a certain of ownership to that. Um, so when you came up with that idea, did you run it by people? Did you, did you talk to your partners or your wife about it? Or was this just straight up pure visionary? Like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm going to do. It's, um, so this is a ridiculous, um, uh, factoid or trivia. I have a poster in what used to be my office. I don't have an office anymore, but what used to be my office of 50 cents, get rich or die trying. Right. The only poster I've bought in my adult life and really my assistant bought it, but the only poster we've bought is a poster of 50 cent and get rich or die trying. And what I mean is, is go big or go home, you know? And so I said, this is what I'm going to do and I hope it works, but here's what happens. If it doesn't work, nobody will know because <laughs> that's the right. definition of failure in a podcast. So had this vision, let's do it. Let's go for it all. And if it fails, oh well, it's just another another failure to put, you know, to, to, to brush under the, the rug. Right. So when you started, did you run into problems? Because I know you had quite a few people from the Phoenix area come on early mm -hmm. on, but when you started trying to approach people out of state and it's like, hey, I want you to come on my podcast, did you run into issues where it was like, is it worth my time to be on a podcast to actually travel and get Airplane tickets, hotels, yeah. Ubers, all of that. Did you run into issues with that? Um, not really. And the only reason why was I was able to book these people out when they're coming to Phoenix anyway. So in a couple of ways, it's fortunate that we're in the Mecca of right. Guru Town, right? And so people come into Phoenix. And so I said, just let me know when you're in Phoenix and we'll, we'll, we'll lock it down. So like Rafael Vargas was here for some um, uh, real estate training. Um, Chris Rube was out here to speak at some Grant Cardone event. Um, you know, you just have a few things that line up because we're in Phoenix. So there was two things that really worked in my favor. First, again, we're the Mecca. So, you know, the first week was Templeton Walker. Second week was Carlos and Sal. I think week six was like Brent Daniels. Uh, Jamil was in there. He's like number five. So like we had enough in Phoenix. So for me, the challenge was how do I have it so that we have enough Phoenix guys until we start getting some of these out of state guys to come in? And Raphael was number eight uh, yeah. from Tampa, right? But the thing that's kind of crazy, uh, what really gave it legitimacy 
uh, was when Max Maxwell came on. And after yeah. Max Maxwell came on, it was just like, okay, if you're not on this show, like people want to come on. And it's, <laughs> I get messages all the time like, hey, you know, I'm happy to come on your show and I won't even charge you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank I love you. it. Thank you so much. I love it. But you know what? It, and it's funny you bring up Max because, you know, obviously he, he's been on my podcast and it was a similar feeling of, I felt like people were enjoying the podcast mm-hmm. and, you know, a lot of local people that knew me were like, oh, that's really cool. RJ Bates has a podcast and it, it's pretty good. And then at some point in time when Max came on, it was like, that made it a thing at that point in time where people that I didn't know suddenly were now sending me messages. And, and obviously, you know, Max's group has, has blown up since then. His followers yeah. is, is just has been astronomical, you know, over the past couple of years. And so it, it's funny to see the impact that he's had on people like me and you just by being a guest on our podcast. Yeah. That's the beauty, beauty of doing podcasts, you know, I mean, not only are we sharing information, uh, but we're also helping each other out in the process. Yeah, we're um, opening doors. Um, the other thing, too, I, like, I think Brand Daniels is number six, and I told him my vision. I was like, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to make this Larry King. Like, you have to fly in. And he was like, you got to fight for it. That's your vision. You got to fight for it and do not relent. And there have been times where I was like, at the, in the beginning, it's like, man, like, should I just, you know, just do a virtual and, you know, with that conversation, it gave me even further conviction. And so right. I never have, and I've had some big names actually uh, volunteer to do a show that really? I rejected. Uh, it's like, nice. no, it has to be in studio. Um, so, um, and then with this whole COVID thing, you know, my channel took a hit on YouTube, right? Because right? I wasn't going to do it without people being in studio. So for two months, uh, two and a half months, I was off the air. And it's been a while. It's been a battle to get the ch- uh, to get the people back. Did you contemplate doing virtual interviews just because of the situation with COVID? No, I didn't want to dilute the brand. The brand is too important. Gotcha. Well, that makes sense. That's who you are. Brand is what, what people know you for. Right. So that that makes sense from that perspective. Um, you know, one of the other things that I wanted to, to bring up is. And I've I've brought this up numerous times since probably over the past you know year year and a half is the the culture uh, of collaboration in the Phoenix market. Um, you're obviously a huge part of that. But what most people probably don't know is that what started that uh, culture in Phoenix between you know you and Brent Daniels and Batch and and Brent, you know, Pace Morby, Jamil, all of you guys. Yeah. Um, You know, and I'm I'm leaving out several people there, but great culture there was you speaking at We Live here in Dallas. Right. Because of your relationship with Max Maxwell, uh, share that story of how that came about where, you know, the Phoenix crew is what we refer to you guys as. Yeah. Um, Y'all actually traveled together and they did that to support you. Yeah, I mean, what an incredible blessing, right? Like, uh, yeah, we were friends. We all knew each other. But what an incredible blessing where they say, we want to come out just to watch you speak. And it's like, I was so incredibly honored to, 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 to have that feeling. Right? Even just thinking about it right now, like, it's, right. It, it's, it's amazing. Like, to have someone like Jamil, who was one of my mentors, uh, Pace, who's one of my closest friends, 
uh, Jesse is like, hey, you know, I, I want to come out with you. And because Jesse came, then Evo, Annie, and, Brent, uh, and, uh, and Bryant wanted to come. So it was just incredible. And the things that that bonded us even further, like the, A, they flew out. But B, I mean, there was a lot of drinking. <laughs> there was a lot of eating together. <laughs> right. There may, or may, there may or may not have been some THC somewhere. <laughs> but we had we had incredible time. And, you know, like the things, you know, you got a good friend when you can really, you know, like jab him in the ribs. I mean, like you and I, right? I was calling you RJ the distant third. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. But, but, you know, when you think about that, I mean, this is, and the reason why I bring this up and why it's important for people to understand is the, the amount of business that you guys do together that came from these moments that y'all created together, taking yeah. that that time and energy and resources to say, I'm gonna support someone that I see going somewhere. Like yeah. Steve has, you you completely cast your vision out to your, your comrades, you know, and they bought into it and said, I'm gonna support you. Just like I'm sure you support Batch and you support Brent Daniels with TTP and all these other things that everybody's got going on out there because it's incredible to see the the growth that all of you guys have and yeah. and it's because you all could consistently support each other i mean how many times have you had a member of batch on your podcast probably like three four or five times right yeah well we're supposed to do it again today with evo and Bre and uh and uh and jesse but we actually paused it because i had a runny nose for the last couple of days i'm fine today and Evo just had a baby. I was like, well, right. let's just not do it today, just in case. Right. But yeah, we were actually supposed to have another episode today about rocket fuel and how, you know, having an integrator and a visionary, how that can create something beautiful. Like and, that, that. And, and to me, I view it as it's no surprise that so many people in one city like Phoenix, Arizona are so successful because of that right there. You are constantly working together, supporting each other. They're helping your podcast by bringing value. Mm -hmm. You're helping them by building their brand. That's why Batch is so successful. That's why people like myself have tried to attach myself to so many people in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. I, I come up with ideas of things I want to do, and I literally have to buy a plane ticket to go to Phoenix because there's so <laughs> many people in Phoenix that I want to talk to. And I'm like, it actually makes sense for me to go there for three or four days yep. just to share my vision with them. You know, whereas I look at other cities that, you know, quite possibly did, there might be one or two people that I'd want to talk to. And uh, yeah. that's just a credit to you guys and, and the opportunity that came. And it all came from your podcast. And like you said, having a guest like Max Maxwell that just really elevated that brand. It's, it's amazing right. to me. And, you know, one thing I've heard, you know, other people like they, they, they wish they had it in their market, you know, and I think like my answer to that is you got to lead by example. Yep. Um, you know, uh, something I saw a long time ago was a meme. I thought it was great. You know, uh, be the kind of man you want your daughter to marry. Right. Uh, be the kind of leader you want to follow. Um, so if someone wants to do this, they can do it. They just have to exemplify it. And I think, you, I don't know if you saw my, my, my leadership presentation in Houston uh, for whole scaling, yep. but if, if someone wants to do it, they can do it. They just need to be strong uh, leaders. 
right? So Brandon Daniels is an amazing leader. Jamila Damji is an amazing leader. Um, Sean Terry, who is like, you know, the guy before us, incredible guy, right? And so when you have a few, like you can't be by yourself, but if you've got a couple people in your market, you can make it happen. And as you and one other person exhibit these, these traits and characteristics, behaviors that you want to see, you will find more like you. They'll uh, attract to you. It's kind of like, um, you know, those <laughs> sci-fi movies, right? Like you got like one mutant and then the other mutants will find out, oh, that guy's special and they'll attract themselves to you. But it's, it, it's totally real. You know, if you exhibit the behaviors, that you that you want you will attract other people that have the same behaviors and characteristics absolutely and then when you look at when you know i i follow all of you guys and and i see i know exactly when you back when you were having your meetup i knew exactly when it was mm -hmm. it very rarely was it because i saw it on your ig story it was right. because I was seeing it on Annie, Evos, Jesse, Brent, Jamil, Pace. <laughs> and it's like, my goodness. You know, I mean, just the, the massive amount of supports. But then you see a week later, I go on, on your IG story and I see another assignment to Keegley, another yeah. assignment here. You know, I, I wholesaled another deal. It, it's not only the support, it's the fact that y'all are actually doing real business together. And so, I asked you before, we could have named this episode a million different things, but mm -hmm. you said how to buy more houses with less money and and just naturally, organically, because I don't read a script because I'm the number one podcast host. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, we, we've led to this point where, uh, you know, how much of that collaboration culture that you guys have in have in phoenix has led to you being able to do that buy more houses with less money and and working together and learning from each other how much of that has played into this well it's quite a bit i mean in fact like one of the deals we did was straight collaboration um like that we closed yesterday actually came from door knocking other business owners inside my building that my brokerage is at and the the guy that we did the jv deal that we bought yesterday is actually the reason why I started a podcast because he invited me to Dean Graziosa's event uh, where I got the idea uh, uh, to podcast. Um, but like that collaboration doesn't happen or if we don't have the, you know, we've all grown our social media brand as well through the collaboration. So we say, hey, we buy houses, send us your deals. That goes a lot further because we have been collaborating because we're all sharing each other's audience. I mean, I got to imagine our audience overlap between me, Pace, and Jamil. It's got to be 75, 80%, if not more. Yeah. And so I think having this for sure has helped us. And then the, the sales training that I teach now came because Pace was the one that told me about the sales trainer. Like Pace is like, I've got this guy that I meet with every Friday afternoon, no, Friday, uh, Friday mornings. And I was like, wait a minute. Because I'm trying to buy deals. Right. right. I was like, wait a minute. There's a room where there's guys like you and all these other home investor guys that are direct to seller are hanging out every Friday. He said, yeah. I said, uh, tell me more about this room. <laughs> he said, yeah, it's the salmon training guy. You know, we just go there every, every, uh, every Friday. And so like I had to pull that information out of him, you know, again, I'm trying to do more deals and 
if I can just hang out with all the homebuster guys every Friday, there's no way I don't do more deals. It's just impossible, right? right? And then because of that, I'm able to meet with this sales trainer and this opened up more doors and it's just crazy. Right. Through the power of collaboration, friendship and so on. So let's talk about that, the sales training. Um, you know, I when I came out to be on your podcast in December, you were like, hey, I want to show you something. Here's mm -hmm. the address. Come here before I got to sit in on probably 30, 40 minutes of the sales training. Um, you know, I've, I've read a book. Well, I shouldn't say read. I listened to an audible book of Sandler's sales training library. Um, obviously, I was in a mastermind with John Martinez that does a lot of, you know, Sandler sales training. Yep. Uh, but the hands-on experience that I got to witness and just very in detail. And, and you know, there, there was quite a few students on the, the Zoom call that were listening to the sales trainer. Um, you know, what does that look like? How did you come up with that idea? Because, you know, I, again, you're, you're obviously a serial entrepreneur, but you come up with ideas that um, are, are very unique to you. And, and I see you always coming up with them. So talk about the sales training and, and what that experience has been like for you. Yeah. So, you know, I was going to WeLive and um, I was going to speak on two topics. One was how we, how we present in the living room. And the other one was how to, um, you know, the benefit of being a licensed agent while you're wholesaling, right? That one did not get as much uh, pizzazz. But the, you know, how to win, uh, how to win more uh, appointments, buy more deals. I did that presentation, and I didn't know how well it would be received. You know, I put it together, and the feedback I got was so overwhelmingly positive. I was seeing on Facebook and Instagram for months afterwards, right? I mean, we're talking weekly for months. Like I did this thing that Steve said to do and I got this deal. And it's like, wow, there is an opportunity here that I could, I just tested the waters, you know, at WeLive. Right. See, see if this is a message that resonates, see if this is something that people want. And I saw that people wanted it. And a couple months later, I was like, well, let's do a workshop and we'll talk about it some more. And then that workshop was uh, a smashing success. It's like, okay, well, this is what the people want. Let's give it to them. So this one, I was a little bit more conservative, right? We started with like a $1,000 workshop. And then we evolved to now, it's like, you know, we got a $2,000 course. We got a $6,000 workshop, $6,000 for six months of coaching. But it all started with like, let's just do a free presentation and see what happens. And you saw me do the same thing in Houston as well for wholescaling. Yep. Uh, and let's see how this goes. And I said, okay, they love it. They ate it up. All right, well, let's do a workshop. See how this goes. They ate it up. All right, let's do mentoring for six months. They ate it up. So it's just, um, you know, it's not common for us to do in real estate, but this is what companies do, right? They'll, they'll throw samples out there, see what happens, see what people like, what they don't like. And if they like it, then we'll do more of it. And if they don't like it, well, let's stop doing that. And so that's kind of how I developed the sales training was just finding out what people want. As a matter of fact, I had a call just before this. You know, I had someone that's done really well. Like he's got like 200,000 in escrow in our coaching program. Wow. Solo, as a solo guy, you know? And so he was like, hey, um, I've been in your program for four months and you know, the six months is coming up in two months. What should I do? I was like, um, well, I'd love to keep you around. <laughs> right. Um, 
And so we talked about what can we create? And so we're creating uh, another one that's just gonna be for guys that are graduates, right? But we just like, I figure out what do you want? What would be important to you? What do we need to have in there for it to make sense for you to stick around? So again, finding out what the people want and then find out if you can deliver on it. I love it. You know, you, you started on early on saying, you know, you bought the poster, get rich or die trying. And I think you're one of the very few people that would sit here and openly admit you were testing the waters at We Live, which had what, a thousand people? Yeah, it's only a thousand fifty. A thousand people. I'm gonna get up and speak in front of a thousand people. I'm gonna test the waters to see if they if they like this. And and obviously they did. I, I was there um, at the event and and it, you know it was it was an awesome event, obviously life-changing for you not yep. only with the, the Phoenix crew, but also leading to the sales training. Um, and, and why is that important? You know, because there was a period in time where I thought sales training as a real estate investor or a wholesaler was kind of this myth. I was like, we're not doing sales, we're buying, right? But it is sales. And I think, I think we all saw that, you know, uh, come to fruition um, with the, the Closers Olympics. You and I both were right. part of that. We had a great sure time. Let's just be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, let's, let's talk about this because there were people that were asked to participate in the Closers Olympics. And I'm, I will never share names, but they turned it down because right. they felt like they had too much to lose with their brand and their education programs mm -hmm. if they were to fall on their face. Yep. You have an actual sales training program. Right. The amount of pressure that, like for me, I have nothing. I, I have nothing to sell. I buy houses, that's what I do, right? Yeah. If I go in there, I fall flat on my face everybody thought that was going to happen anyways. <laughs> so why did you take that risk? And did you even consider it a risk going on the closers of the Olympics? Yeah. I mean, momentarily, maybe for like 10, 15 seconds when our, uh, when Elijah asked me, but you know, I've been doing this for a very long time and, uh, not only have I been doing it, but I've been trained by, I believe the best sales trainer in the country who you got a chance to meet. Yep. And I train it three, four times a week, right? Like with different groups, including my brokerage. So for me, not only have I done it, I live it and I teach it. So there's really not a whole lot that can really surprise me. And you got to see uh, Mr. Potty Mouth. Um, <laughs> and, you know, for me, that's just that's just part of the business. You're going to get cussed out. Now he was right. like, he was a little much, but you're going to get cussed out. You know, the, the, the biggest takeaway for me, um, that there was two things. A, I, I, everyone said I was the king of awkward silence, which I did not know that, but that was cool. Um, and then that I was the best objection handler. And I don't know if you've heard me say this. I didn't feel like I heard a single objection. That's funny. So that's kind of where sales training comes in really handy. And I say sales training as really communicating effectively, right? And the examples I, you know, is like I call you and you say, 
um, you know, uh, this house isn't for sale. I say, oh, that's great. You sold it. Right. Because people hear it's not for sale. They hear an objection. Like, no, that's great. You sold it. It's like, no, I didn't sell it. It's like, oh, but you're able to take care of that problem you were trying to deal with. It's like, no, I haven't. Well, then I don't understand. And I said, right. well, and then we found out their house is still for sale. Or the lady that was pissed off, like, tired of you people calling me all the time. And I said, boy, it sounds like there are a lot of people calling you. Like, there are. You sound pretty frustrated. I am frustrated. And they're like, why are you calling me? I was like, I don't even know why I'm calling you, to be honest. But someone said I had to call you. Clearly, there's a reason why. Why do you think they asked me to call you? And then she's like, and then she started giving me some things like, well, maybe it's because multi-comments. I'll bet that's what it is. Right. But I didn't handle objections. I just wanted to understand what you said. When you said the house wasn't for sale anymore, I was genuinely curious. Let's figure out why it's not for sale anymore. I love it. And, and that's why my feedback to the closer Olympics specifically for you was I felt like you were the most technically sound closer out of anyone there. Um, it just... There was never a moment where I felt like you were out of control, um, where you didn't know how to handle uh, a situation. And it, it just it very much to me, uh, I'm a basketball fan. I know you're a basketball fan. I, I would have like compared you to Kawhi Leonard. You know, yeah. I'm I'm a Raptors fan. So I I love Kawhi and I hate Kawhi at the same on the same <laughs> level, you know, yeah. but uh, no one can ever go watch a tape of Kawhi and talk about how technically sound he is on defense or offense. He's just, he's great. Uh, but there was nothing flashy, you know? Um, I think I got a lot of, uh, of publicity because people said I was aggressive mm -hmm. and, and there was flash behind that. Um, even Max made a comment of RJ's not flashy but man, that surprised the hell out of me. You know, that was like his his feedback because it just shocked him. Yeah. For you, it was just literally I I enjoyed every moment of it. Um, you actually went before me both times, both round one and round two, before both of us were brutally robbed of going to the finals. Agreed. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I I was just sitting there soaking it up and just. To, to some degree, I mean, you could see the difference. It was just like I was more scrappy and you were just more like no matter what situation was going to be thrown at you. And it's because of that sales training. And yeah. I've, I've told people, they've reached out to me and they said, how do I learn to close like you, RJ? And I said, I don't know. I have no training. I've never gone to training. That's just who yeah. I am. Whereas for you, you're like right here. I offer this sales training because this is what I get on a daily basis. Yep. And I think you could see that uh, there was a level of um, what's the best way I could put it? Your calls were more consistent than anyone else's because of how you handled the situation. Yeah. And, and I think that's very important for people to understand because consistency is key in all forms of marketing, but also with sales, because you're going to be able to, know the outcome because you are consistent and that's one of my well, we know what's going to happen before we start exactly right and it's the framework component like that's something that like i preach hard all the time is like you can go willy-nilly and if you're super charismatic you know if you're an aaron bevins and you can be their best friend in like less than a minute that's great but it's hard like what are you going to do when you talk to the guy that's not friendly right it's right like 
you can have all these different uh, styles, but you can also have these gross mismatch. I can be whoever you need me to be. Um, and like, this is something I don't brag about. Like I've done over a thousand transactions, right? And not only have I done over a thousand transactions, my broker consistently does thousands of transactions per year. Right. It's not a lot that I haven't seen. So, and that's not the brag. It's just, it's just the reality. Right. It, it is. It is the reality. I will say part of the reason why you don't brag about that is, is because you haven't been a guest on the real estate disruptors podcast yet <laughs> where you force people to brag when you're like, what are we titling this podcast? Like give oh, yeah. me the easiest number that you can give me. Uh, so that, would Absolutely. Totally, that would totally be the, the title of your <laughs> podcast. Uh, I want to ask you about Mr. Potty Mouth. So for people that didn't watch the Closers Olympics, um, you should buy the replay. There's just, it's 20 hours of just pure content. I mean, yep. the, it's beautiful. I watched Real all game film. Um, so the Mr. Potty Mouth was a gentleman that just was cussing every other word. I mean, mm -hmm. at points in times that it was not even legible what he was saying because it was just a string of cuss words. Yep. And, and Steve handled it just by being very calm. I want to ask you, is there another way you could have handled that where you mirrored the way he was talking to you? Is that I something that you have in your arsenal? I could have, but I don't believe that's the best way to go because I'm approaching this. Here's the reality, right? Um, if you don't have pain or you don't have equity, we're not talking. It's just not going to happen. There's no point talking, but that guy had massive pain and massive equity. Right. And so with that, like the problem, the only problem I had is that I only had 15 minutes. I will spend a whole day with that guy. If I can make a hundred thousand, which is what we were talking about here. Mm -hmm. Right. Based off the numbers I, I want, and it's not dead, you know, he's still on our follow-up sequence. Um, because when I close it, I'm going to brag. Everyone's going to hear about it. <laughs> um, but for someone like that, I, my only problem was I had a time limit because what am I, what am I going to do? I'm going to slow you down, right? I'm going to keep dropping labels. And you saw like, I was, I was dropping labels and they weren't landing. <laughs> he was dodging them. You know, it was like, he was like Neo in the matrix. He was just ducking all the labels, but a couple of them stuck. And eventually he would have slowed down. And eventually I would have gotten to understand that what he was asking for um, I couldn't quite do it the way he wanted to do it. Uh, and also in the back of my mind, because it was recorded, the things I wanted to do, I wasn't sure I wanted to say it in a recording. Right. Cause I was going to say like, I will give you 20,000 cash at your house if that's what it will take. Right. Right. But I was thinking, do I want that recorded? <laughs> so I didn't offer it as a solution because I didn't want that recorded for everyone to see. Right. And I, and I get it. You know, I think all of us ran into scenarios where it, it was a bit awkward at times because mm -hmm. of the clock. Also, because we're being recorded. We know there's a thousand people watching us and then we know there's going to be replays sold. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you know, you're talking about your brand. It's like, do I really want this to be my brand. I think some of us would have handled certain situations differently, yeah. but overall, man, a great experience. Uh, you were definitely one of my my favorite closers. Um, Thank you by far. Um, I I said this was Stevens um, interview. Stephen Morales. You just had him recently on your podcast. Great episode. Yep. 
Um, I felt like me, you, and Steven should have made it to the finals. Um, even though each one of us was were bounced in the, the <laughs> second round. Um, yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, you know, you talk about the people from We Live reaching out to you mm-hmm. um, from your from your speech. I still get people on a daily basis saying, just yesterday, I got a guy saying, hey, man, I just closed the deal, uh, $20,000 assignment fee, and I literally just used everything I learned from you at the Closers Olympics. That's awesome. I mean, is there any better feeling than that? Yeah, you're, that, you're making the world a better place. You're helping people. That's right. the best feeling. I mean, it's it's incredible. And uh, another guy in Jacksonville, Florida, said he's got over 60000 in escrow, and he just wanted to tell me that. And uh, and I, I messaged him and said, hey, man, uh, you're going to be the first to hear this, but I'm doing, you know, this 50 deals in 50 states in 50 days. I'm going to be coming to Jacksonville, Florida. I'm going to need you to help me out. He's like, awesome. I can't wait to, to JV a deal with you. Yeah. Um, and, and so it, it's cool to be a part of things like that and, and find ways to do business with more people. So yeah. great experience, uh, you know, from the from the closing aspect of things, you know, we, you know, we're trying to talk about how to buy more houses with less money. Um, what was something that you took away from the competition, not from your, your own experience, but from other people? Was there anything that you took away from another closer that you were like, hey, this is maybe something outside of the Sandler training I have or something I haven't seen before that maybe you can give uh, some of the listeners a, a tip that you kind of took away from the, the event? Um, I mean, there was your style. I was like, look me up. I'm RJ base the third and I buy houses. Um, You've never dropped that line before. You never said I'm Steve train. You I've don't never anymore. Really? Right? <laughs> no, we buy houses. We've closed on two yesterday. You don't actually do it. Right. Oh no, no, it's not me on the phone. Uh, but I mean, we've had incidents where they're like, who are you? And we're like, just Google Steve train. And they're just like, okay, this works. Right. Um, but very rarely do we do that. And the reason why is this is not coachable. <laughs> it's, it's hard to coach that, right? It's an intangible. <laughs> but I, you know what? I've had people reach out to me and say, I wish I could say that. And I'm like, yeah. start building it. I couldn't say it four years ago, you know, yeah. but now I put myself out there and, and constantly just shared my journey. I mean, look, at the end of the day, that's all you and I do, right? I mean, right. We're just sharing so, what's working for us. You go back and listen to my first episodes. I had a, a series of que- I couldn't have a conversation with Steve Train. It was just I was awkwardly asking questions, looking at the clock, going, "Please hit thirty minutes so I can say goodbye and just introduce <laughs> <laughs> this." You know, yeah. now at this point in time, it's like, no, I've I've I feel more comfortable and and I've also had more experiences, and so putting that out there and and just sharing your journey. I mean, that was one of my biggest takeaways. From we live when Gary V got up there, you know, I mean, it was he slapped us all in the face and said, "Stop creating content, just document." Yeah, and, and that was one of my biggest takeaways. And you know, for you, your podcast and in mine as well, for the most part, you get a ton of credit for bringing awesome guests on. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it's very little about rj bates or steve train and it's more yeah. about the guests coming on and, and adding great content 
and and then turning around and, and being able to utilize that influence that we've been able to build and yeah i mean i i don't know it's it's something that just started rolling off my tongue where i'm like yeah just look me up you know and right. because i don't know how else to to try to build that credibility with a seller well you know um my script on the close olympics is not my normal script right like we had to change it up because we're being handed leads okay right because like my script is not what that was like my script on the close olympics like hey um i was talking to rj he told me that he want we want to buy your house but we didn't i don't understand what happened can you help me out that was my script for closes olympics and that got the conversation going right but that's not our cold call script our cold call script was like hey rj um right hey rj hey um hey uh my name is steve trang uh i was driving down probably caught you at a bad time and that's like our script and then get like no it's not a bad time or what's this about and it's like well you know and i'll and then i'll start the script so um yeah so like you i mean what i did I just I was making it up on the fly. That right. is not our normal cold call. Well, hey, look, at the end of the day, I think we all thought that we were getting warm leads that were on hold. Yeah. All that's, the what way I, until, that's what I agree to. <laughs> all the way up until like the day before the event, right? Yeah. And then it was like we're cold calling. And and I remember I literally remember looking at Cassie and I was like, I have never used a dialer before. Yeah. That's well, does anyone know, does everyone know that secret? What? Like, close to the Olympics, we all had mojo lessons. Yeah. yeah <laughs> exactly. We all had to have mojo dialer lessons. <laughs> I literally never used a dialer. I, I we we used mojo dialer for years, yeah. and I had never seen it because that's yeah. not my role. That's what Cassie does. You know, Cassie's the one that does the training and all of that. I literally never seen the inside of Mojo Dollar. Yeah, that life. was probably the third time I've used Mojo. Um, I've joined the team on a couple of call nights where I had to log into Mojo. I was like, all right, guys, what am I doing here? <laughs> right, exactly. So um, one, of my, one of my other questions that I had for you was um, on, on the Closers Olympics, um, you know, we, we also, we, we came together, we had a great time. And then the, the the trash talk that came about, right? Mm -hmm. all I wasn't trash talking. You you made my face a ZZ Top album cover. I thought that was real. Look, <laughs> fake news and the deep fake stuff, I can't explain it. <laughs> I was a victim you just like you. <laughs> uh, I just, I, I just want to bring this to, to the front for everyone to know, okay? I love Steve Train. No, we're, we're not, you know, enemies or anything like that. And, and I think, Steve, your, your podcast is great, even though I don't know if you know this or not, but over the course of probably the past two months, I always wrap up my, my episodes by saying I only accept five-star reviews. Uh -huh. If you won't give me less than a five-star review, Go give it to someone else. I only accept five-star reviews, okay? <laughs> Since the Closers Olympics, I have changed that to, I only accept five-star reviews. If you want to give me less than five stars, Steve Train loves three-star reviews. Go give it to <laughs> Steve Train because he'll accept those. So I, I'm I will accept no those. one told you that. Apparently no, no one listens that far into my episodes. But uh, yeah. 
That's okay. People don't finish my episodes either. <laughs> but no, man, uh, it was it was a blast. I had a, a ton of fun with the trash talk with you, uh, but I did have to bring to the forefront that you put my face on a ZZ Top album. I don't think Keith likes my trash talking. <laughs> Keith, Keith did not like anybody's trash talking. He yeah. was probably the most uh, adverse reaction to the trash talking out of anyone. Yeah, because when I did my thing about how I was coming for him with the Mike Tyson <laughs> montage, yeah, his response was, "Wow, <laughs> like, exactly." Okay, he is not he is not enjoying this. Pick the wrong yeah. guy to go after. <laughs> when, when I brought everybody on on the live video, the like the week before, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I brought him on, and I actually brought up that I said, "I hope you make it to the championship round." So you can have a full hour for the smoke that I'm going to bring. And, mm-hmm. and he literally, I mean, it was like, there was no chuckle. There was no laugh. No. I mean, he was, he was very serious about it. He's Kobe. I, I feel, He's I Kobe. Very bad he wasn't given a, a better chance because he yeah. was so hyper competitive going into it. Yeah. He was, he, he was Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Randy Johnson, right. On the day of the event, just straight face, nothing else. Absolutely, man. So uh, I, you know, I want to wrap up here in a couple minutes, but uh, you know, for the people that are listening, you know, obviously you bring a, a ton of value to the community. Um, incredibly grateful for for your podcast, your your sales training programs, all the different things that you're doing. Um, but you know, you recently had a program with Dave Day mm-hmm. uh, that you rolled out. Is that still going on? That is still going on. Uh, it's evolving, but it's still going on for okay, sure. So yeah, real quick, share about that because I love Dave. I think he's just one of the most brilliant minds in the industry. He really uh, is. So share what, what that program looks like right now. Yeah. So basically, you get to work with Dave and me for 12 weeks, and we're going to talk about how to raise, uh, not private money. We don't call it private money. He calls it relationship money. Okay. Right. So how do you raise relationship money? What's the process, the structure? And how to do it, you know, uh, and on a consistent basis through public records. And it's crazy. Like when he said, this is what I do. I was like, no, well, that's the, I can't possibly be what you do. And then when, as we went through it, because we finished the first 12 weeks, it's like, wow, that's really what he does. And not only does it, is that what he really does, it's really effective. Right. I can't believe how well this works. And so that's what we did. It's just 12 weeks on how to find uh private money uh relationship money through public records but then we also talked about um just different strategies for creating wealth without paying taxes which is pretty cool topic right so we're talking about that talking about substitution of collateral i mean here's one of the takeaways i took which is crazy right let's say i wholesale a deal to rj and I would make a hundred thousand. Okay, that means I'm going to pay Uncle Sam about thirty thousand at the end of the year. Right now, if instead of RJ paying me a hundred thousand cash, RJ gave me a loan for a hundred thousand that is considered paid in full upon RJ's passing, and I never make a payment, I still get a hundred thousand dollars, and I don't have to pay taxes. Wow. So those are the kinds of things that we talked about in the private money thing. Right? It's Dude, like mind-blowing. 
Yeah, no, if, for anyone that's listening, if that did not just excite you and make you want to go check out that program right there, I mean, there's pretty much nothing that'll get you excited about that. And, and again, Dave is one of the most brilliant minds out there. I've had the, the, just the honor to be able to talk to him a handful of times. And every time I talk to him, I mean, he tells me something that I've just never thought of before. You know, just it never entered my mind. Uh, but w circling back around to the Closer Olympics, because what I consider to be the most epic moment of the Closer's Olympics was the cliffhanger voicemail that you left. And that came from Dave Day, right? Courtesy so, of Dave Day. Right. So real quick, before we wrap up, last thing, what is a cliffhanger voicemail? All right. So I called you. You don't answer. Hey, RJ, it's Steve. Uh, just driving by your property at 123 Main Street. And it's really important you give me a call because, and then we click. <laughs> and that's now, it. If, if you get that voicemail, are you calling back? Absolutely. <laughs> You are calling back as soon as you heard it. You're stepping out of whatever event you're at, whatever meeting, because you don't know if the house is burning down, whatever's happening. Um, it, it's brilliant. What was, do you remember? That guy called me back in less than nine minutes. Did he really? Yeah. But he, he called you back like right after the, the round finished, right? He called me while they were still judging me. I actually took the call while, he, <laughs> while they were judging you're me. Finding out you're not moving on. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so what was the stat that Dave gave you on his ringless voicemails? What was the, so, the response rate? 70%. 70%. What would your now, business you, look like if your callbacks improved by 70%? Right. What, do you have any idea what like the, the average is for like a ringless voicemail campaign? Uh, I mean, less than one. Right. All right. I mean, we actually did this for our RPM drop and our phones got fried. We actually stopped doing it. Yeah. Uh, because we had too many people calling us back. So we'll only do it if we really want to talk to you. That's what I was going to say. When I watched the video where you asked Dave about this, the one key thing that he gave was he narrowed it down to a very niche list where it was yeah. like, he knew without a shadow of a doubt that he wanted to buy the property. Yeah. This is not go buy, you know, 5,000 <laughs> records. And no, your phones it. will fry. Right. No, this is, he's cold calling at most 20 people per day. Right. 20 of the hottest and, leads. And, and killing it, killing the yeah. game. Uh, literally like Aaron Bevan says, uh, he's changing the way the game is played. So yeah. I love it, man. Steve, it's a it's an honor to have you on the podcast man um just thank you so much for for coming on but also just being a great friend and a mentor to me um you know you don't know that but you know you and i've had many conversations where i've pulled you know wisdom and knowledge from you um the fact that i can you know pick up the phone and call someone that's done over a thousand deals and just ask questions and stuff like that uh, you you are always finding a way to to add value to the community. So thank you so much for for being who you are. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And thank you for having me on the show. And you know, I I love the you know what we're doing. You know, and you're included right in the collaboration. So uh, I love working with people that have the same heart, 
same passion. You know, we've talked about offline, but like someone's like, Hey, I'm in Dallas. What do I do? I like call RJ. Yeah. Right? And, and, and you've done that numerous times, you yeah. know? And I mean, that's the, the beautiful thing about this community. Um, it's very easy for some of us that put ourselves out there to, to get a sour taste in our mouth due to some of the toxicity that comes from being in the public eye. Um, but the, the beautiful aspect of this and, and seeing the relationships and the ability to change our lives, because like you said at the beginning, the reason why you got in this is for that financial freedom, the generational wealth uh, that, that now you're achieving, you know? And, and so maybe there's a couple of idiots out there that want to talk trash about us and actually mean it. Uh, but the, the upside of it is far exceeds the, the negatives. And, uh, you know, I didn't do this on purpose, but I was just thinking about this. I actually wore my alphas only t-shirt, which is <laughs> Max Maxwell's clothing company. Yep. Funny that you and I would both talk about the impact that Max Maxwell had on our lives. Incredible also, impact. Um, so many people, so many people, um, and and just the impact that he had on your the trajectory of your podcast and your career by We Live and the things that came from that. So, Steve, thanks so much, um, guys. I've already shared it. Five star reviews. Um, if you want to give a three star review for this week, don't give it to Steve because that's really awkward. Okay, give it to someone else. Okay, um, but thanks for coming on the show, buddy, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you again. Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, RJ Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault. Titanium Vault.